Have you ever been tempted to give up or check out in your walk with God? Have you been at a place in life's journey where you felt overwhelmed and overshadowed by life's obstacles, setbacks, or heartaches? It could be you're at such a place right now, a place where you are hungering for hope. If so, then Hope Along the Journey podcast is a ministry of encouragement created specifically with you and others just like you in mind. And now, here is your host, Mark Cravens, to share a word of encouragement with you today. Hello, my friend, and thank you for joining us today on Hope Along the Journey. It's a joy to have you listening in each week, and we trust that this ministry is a blessing and encouragement to you. If it has been, we'd love to hear from you. If you would just take a moment and send me an email, I would appreciate it so very much. You can email me at hopealongthejourney.org. Again, that's hopealongthejourney.org. And we'd love to hear from you. It may be that you have a prayer request or something you would like to share with us that you would like for this ministry to hold you up in prayer concerning that need. We would, we would love to pray for you, and we'd love to hear from you. So please drop us an email at some point. If you're listening to this Hope Along the Journey podcast and you're not a follower on Facebook, you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram, and we'd love to have you join us on the Facebook or Instagram family. Well, today we've got something that I think is going to be very pertinent to the times in which we live, and that is that we have with us, by way of Zoom, all the way over in Ukraine, we have Scott and Oksana Sobe. Scott and Oksana, welcome to Hope Along the Journey. Thank you so much. Thank you. It is great to be with you. It is so good to see you guys. Man, I, I follow you on, on Facebook. We keep up with you, and you, you do a lot of posting. And, and I love it, Scott, that you asked me. I don't know if he told you this or not, but Oksana, he asked me, can I, can I have her on here too? So wasn't that sweet of him? <laughs> I don't know what he did to get in trouble. I, I don't know how, how he's, why he's trying to make up to you. Except, you know, I, I thought he knew this was audio and not video. I mean, you definitely, you know, he de- you know, you definitely are the better half. We're just going to give you credit here right up front. Absolutely. <laughs> well, even, even when she talks, you can hear that she's the better half. Oh, so. Come on. <laughs> so he wanted you to make him look better on Zoom, and he wanted to make you, him sound better. So I'm just so delighted that both well, so of you joined many us. Times, so many times when I'm, I'm sharing uh, with people about what's happening here in Ukraine, I'm thinking to myself, I wish Oksana was right here and, mm. and sharing her perspective on this too. And so that's why when you invited us, I thought, well, invited, you know, me, mm-hmm. I thought I want to try to get Oksana in on this too. So. Oh, I think that's beautiful. When I t- told you I want to have you here on the podcast, uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you maybe to share with everyone is tell us about how you came to be in Ukraine and not only how, to, how you came to be in Ukraine, but how did you guys end up getting together? I mean, you're from Ohio. She's from right. Ukraine. How did this all happen, and how did you get to Ukraine? Well, those stories are basically one story. Um, and so uh, maybe I'll let Oksana share first. <laughs> there you go. A smart man. They, story begins here, yeah, so. That way you get it straight. If she tells it, we get the story straight, right? 
That's right. Yeah. Uh, smart okay. Man. So um, I guess I have to start just with my upbringing because I was born in 1976 and I was raised during the Soviet Union. And uh, that was the time when we people of Soviet Union were fed propaganda since we went to kindergarten. Uh, I still remember the cover of my favorite book that our teacher read in kindergarten. It was a book, and um, on the cover of the book, there was Lenin, Vladimir Ilyich Lenin, and a whole bunch of kids. And he was sitting, and he had kids on his lap and all around him. And doesn't that remind you of something? Mm-hmm. Yes. Don't yes. you think right away of mm-hmm. kids' Bible and how Jesus loves yes. the children and he welcomes them all? So during the Soviet Union, we didn't have any Bibles. We were not taught anything about the Lord, but we were taught that Lenin was the one that we should worship, that Lenin is the one that we should praise. We should thank him for everything he did for us. So in my childhood, that's all what I was fed. Mm -hmm. And when I went to school, the same thing. Every every classroom of uh, school had picture of Lenin. The first word that I learned how to write was Lenin. We were emphasized that um, there is no other God. There is nothing to worship. We have to be faithful to Lenin, to the Soviet party. We should be dedicated. We should be ready to give our lives for that. And so that's the teaching that was everywhere. And if um, somebody ever mentioned anything about the Lord, people got in trouble for that. And uh, what I was taught was that religion was only for weak, uneducated, and kind of sick people, basically. And so my parents were not Christians. I didn't know anybody who was a Christian as I was raised. And uh, I believed all of that. I strongly believed everything I was taught because everybody around me believed also in that. Uh, but then when I became a Christian, uh, became a teenager, um, you know, I had some questions. I thought, how can this life be without a creator? I looked around and I saw beautiful nature and I was amazed at all that. And I wondered how can this just all happen by accident? There must be a creator. There must be something behind it. So I was searching for God and to make my story a little bit shorter. um, When I was 17 years old, I saw an advertising advertisement for evangelical program. And at that time, I had no idea what evangelical program was. I actually assumed that it was some kind of concert because it said there 
there will be an, um, an American visitor who will be uh, presenting the program or something like mm -hmm. that. So I assumed there was going to be a concert with American. And I thought, well, that's interesting because that was just the beginning when um, the doors were opening up. That was the time when the Soviet Union was crumbling. And I decided to go and find out what evangelical program was about. And that was the time when I was 17 and I heard the gospel for the first time in my life. And as you probably know, it was Dan Glick who was at that time with his family in Ukraine, and they were sharing the good news by traveling throughout Ukraine. And so I was 17, and I could not believe that I did not know about that, that nobody shared with us about what Jesus Christ did. And at that time, as I was sitting there and soaking, absorbing all of that, I thought, now it makes sense. All of those questions, all of those struggles make sense because yes, I am yes. separated from God. I need to come and repent and become a God's child. And um, I have to tell you that that program was in the huge palace of culture. And there were lots of people who came. And uh, when there was an altar call, when there was an invitation to go forward and repent, I was sobbing and I was thinking, I want to go, but nobody's going up front. And I had this struggle in my mind and in my heart because I knew if I went forward, those other people would pass the information to my parents and the whole town will be talking that I became religious and, you know, I was so afraid about my reputation. And so I was just sitting in my seat and crying and struggling, not knowing what to do. And then I finally made a decision. And I said to myself, I don't care what people will think. I don't care what people will say. I have to make myself right with God. And when I went forward, 50 other people followed me. <laughs> so, you know, it was amazing. That is but amazing. Anyway, yes. I became God. a Christian when I was 17. And yes. then I uh, went to Allegheny Westland College for a couple of years. Actually, first I spent two years at the Bible College in Ukraine. Then okay. I got my bachelor's degree at um, Salem, Ohio. And uh, you want to finish well, the story? And that was, I was uh, attending a church in Barberton, uh, Ohio at that time, the right. Wesleyan Methodist Church in Barberton, Ohio. And um, Oksana on some weekends would come with the Glick family because they had some relatives there in Barberton. And I had been on some missions trips already as a teenager during that time to, uh, to Russia. And I had a, just a love, God had already put a love in my heart for the former Soviet Union. And so when Oksana and I met, um, I, you know, we, there was something there that, that God just united our hearts. And then when I took a, a trip to Ukraine with Dan Glick, um, she was our interpreter. And that's really, I think, where we fell in love. And 
And in the end, we uh, we were married right after she graduated from Bible college, and I was just becoming an assistant pastor in Barberton there at that time. And so, you know, because it was a missionary who had really, uh, you know, God had used a missionary to transform Oksana's life. Um, I had also this call, and so we both had a passion for seeing God do a work here, and and especially in Ukraine, because this is where she's from, right. and after seven years and being ordained in America, uh, we, in 2004, brought our family here to Ukraine, um, and we've been here for, you know, the last almost, uh, well, 17 or eight, almost 18 years, we've been here in Ukraine, and uh, I, we pastor a little church in our village, but our primary ministry is we travel around to churches in our region, and uh, we have a music ministry. Our children play the hand chimes, and I preach, and we speak at couples uh, conferences and Christian camps, and uh, just try to be a support. I do seminars, and we just do just support for the churches of our region. That's beautiful. I, I love your story, and I love how God brought people from different parts of the world and brought you together. And how God not only brought you together, but united, Scott, your desire to get into the former Soviet Union and to share the gospel. And God, and, and of all things, to bring this little gal all the way across the ocean to Ohio mm-hmm. and right where you are. Isn't it incredible how yes. God works in our lives? It, is. it really is. Well, I'd like, oh, there's a lot of things I'd like to, to, to just go right into and talk about. But, I wanted to ask you today, because I know everybody is wanting to know what's what's going on there now in Ukraine. Kind of give us an update. I know we see a lot on the news. We hear stuff on the radio. But tell us from somebody who's right there, what is it like? What's going on there in Ukraine? Well, it's really heartbreaking for us because, you know, Ukraine is this quiet, peaceful country. And um, it's, it's just unbelievable to see what is happening right now. We still cannot believe it. And the people around us cannot believe it, that this is actually happening in in this land, in this country. For many, many years, there has been a tug of war um, between Europe, the West and Russia, and Ukraine has been caught in the middle. And that this has been going on for centuries, but um, you know, Stalin uh, starved the people of Ukraine, right, uh, right. Galadimir, which was uh, a terrible, terrible man-made famine that destroyed the lives of many people here. And I've talked to people who survived that and remember the people starving to death because of what at that time the Soviet Union was doing to subjugate the people of Ukraine. And during that time, Stalin resettled, especially eastern Ukraine here where we live, with a lot of uh, Russian people. But those people now have lived here, and even though they're Russian-speaking, we do all of our ministry in Russian, uh, all of our preaching and speaking and singing for the most part in Russian. Even though the official language is Ukrainian, people speak Russian in our part of Ukraine. The farther west you get, the more it's culturally Ukrainian and ethnically Ukrainian, and then people speak more Ukrainian language. But people are Ukrainian citizens. Like Oksana, she mm-hmm. uh, she right. was a Ukrainian citizen. She moved here. She was born in Russia, but her family moved here when she was a little girl. Uh, so she's actually Russian, uh, but she's been a Ukrainian citizen most of her life. 
um, and until she became an American citizen. And so basically that's kind of the backstory is that there's this, this, uh, you know, Ukraine caught in the middle uh, of Russia and Europe and Russia is constantly trying to exert their influence and keep Ukraine within their sphere of control. And they've tried to do that over the years with the Orange Revolution in 2004. Um, and then they tried to do it uh, with the Maidan or Independent Square Revolution back in 2000, what was that, uh, 15 um, or 2014, I'm getting my, but um, basically, uh, you know, right. that, that's when Russia came in and um, took over Crimea, uh, started supporting the separatists in the area about two hours to the east of us, or an hour and a half, two hours to the east of us, the Donbass region. And so there's this, been this simmering war there. And uh, little by little, there's been a, just an increasing desire uh, among you know Putin and his inner circle right. to really come in and make sure that Ukraine does not become a part of Europe and that they stay within Russia's sphere of influence to the point that now Russia, they've just blatantly openly come in and made a full-scale invasion and they are claiming that they're liberating the, the, the people here, the Russian-speaking people, um, but actually um, they are uh, they are killing and murdering right. people here around us and uh, this war is uh, is has become just a, a horrible, ugly. In just the last two, little over two weeks, the already the thousands of people that have died and yes, suffered. Some of them we know personally around us has yes. been just tragic. Well, I know it's it has broken the hearts of all of us that are following this, as we see things on on social media, as we hear it on the radio, watch it in the news. It is heartbreaking. You know, uh, something that Scott is not always answered is the why. Why is why does Russia want to have this control of Ukraine? Why is it that there's time and again been this relentless trying to seize this country? What is it about Ukraine that they just don't want to let go of this nation? Well, it's very strategic from uh, from a uh, geopolitical standpoint. Ukraine uh, is has Black Sea ports. Um, it, uh, it it's um, so it's a very strategic port country I here. Uh, the, okay. the Black Sea is just an hour and a half south of where we are at right now. Um, there's a lot of resources. Ukraine is a is rich in resources. It was called the breadbasket of the Soviet Union because of all the yes, food it produced. Um, and then it, it, the coal mining and uh, right, the town that we live in, Niperudny, uh, literally means uh, ore, um, iron ore um, on the Nipper River. And so it, we, most of the people, like Oksana's father uh, was a miner, and most of the people around us are, are iron ore miners in the mine just down the road from us. So, you know, it, Ukraine is very strategic in that sense, but also being a the largest country in Europe, it's it's a, a buffer zone between the West and Russia. And, you know, if you think about it from a logical standpoint, um, we as America would not want China, for example, uh, setting up bases and uh, everything in Canada or in Mexico, That's putting true. missiles true, and putting, yes. uh, you know, we wouldn't want that right on our border. 
Well, Russia doesn't want right on their border NATO. They don't want their basically enemy to be right on their border. They want to keep Ukraine as this buffer zone. And yet the people of Ukraine, it's, this is an independent nation. They want to right. be with Europe. They want to move toward a European viewpoint and, and life and culture. And Russia just basically is refusing to let that happen. And uh, if that means bringing uh, a war to, to Ukraine and uh, forcefully subjugating the people to slavery here um, to do what they want, uh, they're willing to do whatever that human price is going to cost. That that makes sense. And like I said, oftentimes this is the component that is not always shared is the why. Why is why is Ukraine so critical to them? And what, what is it that they're looking to gain by trying again to force this nation back into their control? What's, what's some of the, and I know this may sound like, a paradox or something, but what what are some positives that you might see happening in the nation, or what are some some really hope filled stories that you're hearing or maybe even seeing? What what are some of the good things that are taking place in the midst of all of this sadness and hardship? Either one of you or both of you, please feel free to share. We could probably <laughs> we could probably both share some yeah. some things, you know. I will say that, you know, even as the darkness deepens here, and, and I'm telling you every day, um, there's a sense of, you know, with, when the, uh, if you just look at the circumstances, the darkness is really getting greater here, um, especially as we every day get bad news about this war. Um, where we're at right now, we are um, there's no, in the early days, we were hearing the shelling and artillery all around us and trying to bring comfort to our children because it's scary to be going to bed at night, listening to mm-hmm. artillery shelling in the villages around us. But now that's kind of gotten farther away because we're deep behind enemy lines now. And so there's basically no more Ukrainian military around here. And so, however, we've been blessed that, um, our area has not, our little town and village that we live in has not been considered a strategic uh, point. And so even though the fighting has been going around us and there's a nuclear power plant 15 miles one way that was taken over the town there and there was fighting, there's a town Vasilivka a few miles away from us where it was on a main road and there's fighting there and and, and people suffering. We're kind of in this little enclave where we have... the. the the Russians have not yet come in and established their authority here. They've just kind of bypassed us. We were cut off from all supplies. Or, you know, stores are completely empty now. Wow. Uh, banks don't work. ATMs don't work. We can't get food in and out. We can't get medication in and out of here. People are trapped and isolated. But at the same time, we're kind of, for the a little while, we've been left alone. Um, until today, um, when when things have changed with that a little bit, and um, the uh, mayor of our town here was was captured and arrested, and that may mean that they're about to set up their authority now here, yeah. and uh, we may not be left alone anymore. But every day has been kind of harder with with people not having access to food, not having access to funds or medication, and we're trying to serve and help. But in the midst of that darkness, that's where you see God doing miracles and bringing about good. 
And the harder things get, the more amazing it is when, when, when wonderful things yeah. happen. Yeah. Um, That's great. So maybe Oksana can share, you know, yes. about it's, some of those things. It's truly been amazing to see how God's been just showing us that he's powerful enough to sustain us. And we had so many opportunities to just witness to people. Uh, as Scott said, things are not available. And sometimes people have to stand in bread lines or milk lines, or just long lines. And one time we went and we, we got to town at seven in the morning and at one p.m. Finally, we were able to buy a loaf of bread. We had oh, to stand wow. in line for oh, wow. hours with other hundreds of people, but that gave us a chance to talk to people. And it happened to be that in front of me was the lady who had some very serious struggles. Um, she used to be a member of the church that is not far from us. Uh, once in a while, we visited that church. And that lady, she actually walked away from the Lord and from the church. And I could not believe that she was just in front of me in the bread line. So I spent hours talking to her and just some other people. And so we see how God can use even those things for his glory. Um, another day I was standing in, again in line and there was this elderly lady next to me and we started talking and I was encouraging her and I was saying, our hope is in the Lord. You yes. need to cry out to the Lord. And she said, I do, but I don't have any supplies. I don't really have as much. And I said, listen, I'm going to give you my phone number. I have so much canned food in the basement and other stuff. I'll be happy to share with you. And she was so delighted and she got my phone. And then we talked more about the Lord. So God is giving us opportunities. Um, another miracle that happened we were able to find a businessman who has several stores in town of Niprarudni. so we live in a little village but it's almost attached to this town and this businessman uh was willing to help us out and give us some groceries that we took to our village can and, i interrupt here yeah. for a moment? let me just interrupt sure. and say i have been so blessed oksana is just so diligent and um, and just zealous and trying to find new ways to help people around us. And she's constantly calling and finding out: is there any? Are there any food products here? Are there any opportunities here? And she was able to find this guy that said, "I can get you shipments of food uh, from another village." And so when I went and picked up our several van loads already of food. Um, we then went to our village, our mayor, the mayor of our village in the center, and explained we need to know who to get these groceries into the hands of the poorest people in our village. And the first time we gathered them on the steps of our little church in the village, and I shared some scripture and prayed with the people, and then we gave out them and the the, the uh, flour and milk and cheese, and, and people were so excited, so blessed by that. And then yesterday when we brought another shipment, uh, it was in the morning, and we met with the mayor and her assistants there, and they were so grateful. And I said, listen, 
can I have a word? It's the morning. We're going to be passing these things out. Can we pray with you? And, you know, I prayed. And when I opened my eyes, I looked at the mayor and her helpers, and every one of them had tears coming down their, their face. And I, I thought at that moment, I never dreamed in our years of ministry here, when we've been trying to influence our village and reach out, that I would be standing in the mayor's office and watching her and, and all the um, the city count, the village council members crying with great gratitude as we were praying yeah. with them and, and sharing the gospel with them. So in the midst of this darkness, you know, God is, is bringing his light to people's hearts and they're seeing what yes. Christians are and what Jesus is through this. That's beautiful because again, Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven. And it sounds like that's exactly what you're doing. What the church is trying to do is to be salt and light in a very critical, critical moment. And no doubt what Satan means for evil, God is going to somehow turn this for good. And no doubt many people turning back to God, many maybe for the first time turning to God because they, they know that's their only hope in this hour and this moment. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say that that's where uh, even the little opportunities like um, Oksana, we got a box of bread we were able to get, and and she went to our neighbor, uh, Vera here, and an elderly lady who just lost her husband a couple months ago and uh, said, Vera, you know, we, we got some bread. We wanted to give you this. And she began to cry. And she said, I stood in line. I didn't get bread today. And now you are giving me this bread. I mean, just little things that normally a couple weeks ago would not have made any difference in anybody's life at all. Suddenly these needs are are an opportunity to, to be a witness and a light and a blessing. And so you're exactly right. That's That's what, that's how God does bring about all things together for good to those who love him. Yes. What, what can we do? I think that's the thing that we hear. We're in the United States. We we talk about what's going on in Ukraine, and and the question keeps coming out. Well, what can you do? What can we do? What what would you say to those who are listening today to this hope along the journey time together? What would you say to my listeners that we can do to help you and others there in Ukraine? You know, I would like to ask those who are listening to pray and fast with us because truly our only hope is the Lord. Yes. Nobody's yes. coming. Nobody's coming to help Ukraine. And, uh, you yes. know, we have people now who are sacrificing so much trying to defend their homes their families, and it's unbelievable. We've been seeing true colors of people. We've been seeing people who are sacrificing. We've been seeing people who are giving whatever they can. And then we've been seeing people who talk about Christianity. Uh, For example, we know of a person who was doing counseling. He lives only an hour away from our village, and he talks so good about 
his Christianity, but when the war came, he left right away to Poland and he left his invalid mother who lives in our village and she doesn't have supplies and she's struggling financially. So, you know, this shows true colors of people. And we've been blessed to see how some people been so sacrificial. But at this point, we ask um, people in America and other countries to pray and fast. And on Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, we want people to fast with us if they are capable of full day and plead with the Lord that God would do a supernatural Amen. miracle. Amen. And we are asking specifically our all-powerful God to do a supernatural miracle that nobody would get the glory for it. And that people in Ukraine, those people that we are encouraging to cry out to the Lord, that those people will see the hand of God. And that he alone would would receive the glory for what, what happens. That's right. Uh, this is an opportunity when there's no other exits, there's no other way out, there's no other human solutions for God to do something mighty here. Amen. And people are praying about this. And so we are calling our Ukrainian friends. You know, I've got a network of, of churches and people that we are in constant touch with. And we've posted uh, for them that Tuesday we're calling to be a day of fasting and prayer. And if people can can only fast one meal or whatever because of health reasons, that's fine. But if people can fast and pray with Amen. us. And so if people in America, I had a friend, a pastor friend of mine uh, who's just north of us called me tonight and said, I have friends in Kazakhstan who are going to be fasting and praying on Tuesday with us. So we're going to have people in America, in Kazakhstan, here in Ukraine, maybe in other places. And I believe if we can agree together in prayer, the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. And I just believe that this is going to take a miracle from God to break through and stop this evil that is happening. Amen. Amen. Well, Scott and Oksana, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, we're recording this here on a, on a Sunday afternoon here, but for you it's Sunday night. And I know you've had a full day and you're probably exhausted, but I deeply appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast. It's just so wonderful to, to see you all. And we want you to know that we love you and we're praying for you. In fact, before we end the podcast, I'd like to have a prayer for you and for the people there. So I, I'm asking people who would be who are listening as you hear this recording that you would join with me as I pray now. And and Scott, Oksana, we're gonna we're gonna release this. We don't release this on Wednesday. We're gonna re- get this out early because we want people to be praying on Tuesday. And we're gonna be yes. pushing it through social media and asking people to earnestly pray and fast for you and for the people of Ukraine. Let's pray together. Father, Father in heaven, we're glad that you are our refuge and our strength. You are the unfailing God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Your ear is not heavy that it cannot hear, and your arm is not shortened that it cannot save. You are the God who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ask or think. And I pray now 
for the Sobi family and for the people of Ukraine, for the church that they pastor, the people they minister to. I ask God your, your covering and protection upon them. I pray that you would supply their needs and that you would be, take care of them in this time of great conflict. Emotionally, I pray you would support them. Spiritually, guard them from the wicked one. Help the people there of Ukraine to put on the full armor of God that they may stand in the day of evil, for that is truly what's happening with this nation. May what Satan means to be for evil be the cause of the advancement of your kingdom in the lives of people. Oh, Lord, would you just thwart every device of the enemy. Show yourself to be strong. Make your name great in the midst of all of this. And we will give you thanks and we will give you praise for we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 And God bless you all. And again, it's so good to see you. And thank you for taking the time to be on Hope Along the Journey. Listeners, I want to thank all of you for joining us today as we've had this time sharing together with Scott and Oksana. We just want to continue to pray for them and their family Uh, that God would just protect them and keep them safe. Thank you for listening today and for being part of the Hope Along the Journey family. Please take a few moments. Again, as I mentioned early in in the podcast, to send us an email, let us know you're listening. Visit the website. We'd love to hear from you. And most of all, we appreciate your prayers at this pivotal time. As I always say and mean from the depths of my heart, Jesus Christ is truly the hope of the world. If you look to him, you can discover hope along the journey. God bless you and thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you would like to know more about hope along the journey, or if you would like to make a donation to show your support and appreciation for this ministry, then visit our website at hopealongthejourney.org. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again for more hope along the journey.